welcome back to the Beyond Knowing podcast. Uh, it's good to be back after a long Easter break, and I'm looking forward to sharing my thoughts on some key events that have taken place since the last episode, namely the uh, economic crisis in Sri Lanka, and more positively, the incredible people's movement and protests that have been taking place against the current regime. So as Christians, do we protest? Do we participate? How do we respond in this situation? Or do we not respond? All of these are valid and important questions. So for my thoughts on these, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. As uh, most of you know, Sri Lanka is currently facing its worst economic crisis to date uh, due to a series of bad decisions, mishandling and mismanagement of resources, and the sheer greed of an utterly incompetent and corrupt leadership. Now, I'm not a political pundit or uh, a political commentator, so I have not much to add to this uh, issue. Uh, in terms of uh, economic or political uh, knowledge. However, when looking at the long queues for full and daily essentials, the shortages of medical supplies, the high spikes in prices that have become a daily reality uh, for many, it is, I feel, my duty in many ways as a Christian, as a Christian thinker, as a theologian, to see the human struggle here and respond at least from a theological and a Christian perspective. Now, I must say that what has truly caught my attention and the attention of many is the staggering response of the public. Uh, you would have already seen this on news channels and social media platforms or even in person yourselves and have been part of this movement. What you see is the display of an unprecedented movement of the people calling out in unison for a change in regime and to hold accountable all those culpable for bringing ruin uh, to the nation. And under the now popular slogan, Go Ta, Go Home, many have taken the streets demanding that the president, Rajapaksha, and his family, uh, most of whom, um, as you know, were appointed without the necessary qualifications or expertise, people are asking them to resign asking them to leave office. And so what has ensued is basically uh, a leadership that is completely uh, tuned out to what the people want and a political apparatus that cannot serve the constituents that it was appointed to serve. Instead, you have political theater and parties and and their respective leaders cramming to set themselves up to get into power as soon as the regime collapses. Whereas the fundamental issues that have caused this situation are not being addressed and the people are frustrated. And, uh, and therefore, uh, as you would have seen, uh, we are having all different kinds of 
people coming together, different organizations, different constituent uh, representatives, taking to the streets all over the country, asking for change, and not just for superficial change, but profound and systemic changes. Okay, so now that we talked about the, the background and the context about uh, with everything that's going on, we need to then talk about what is the Christian response. What is the response of the church in this situation? Um, we've seen that the Catholic Church has been pretty clear. The Cardinal has come out and uh, made statements that have... Um, that have shown their support to the people and they themselves have led silent protests in the last few weeks. Um, and so the question remains then, what about the Protestants? What about the Protestant churches? And we see that uh, there also there have been different kinds of responses and different ways in which the churches have um, participated but not so much a unified response from Christian leaders or, uh, or um, Christian pastors in the Protestant church, as, as far as I can see. Um, and so that, that raises problems, that raises questions, I think even theological questions, of how we understand the role of the church in a situation like this. And does the church have a role in the public, in, the, in society, in challenging political regimes, uh, and in speaking truth to power? So I have some thoughts then on, 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 on a few things, and these are not necessarily in chronological order or, uh, and are not necessarily interconnected. But there's things that have popped up in this uh, during the course of all this unfolding that I feel like um, I would like to address some of these different issues. Um, firstly, I think what needs to be affirmed very clearly is that it is not anti-Christian or displeasing to God somehow to partake in protests. I hope that is obvious, even though I'm not so sure um, since I've heard people using uh, passages like Romans 13 to discourage or to say that the church must remain neutral or are political in situations like this. I, I think this is problematic. I think this is a problematic understanding of scripture. Uh, I think it's a problematic interpretation of that passage. Um, and I don't think uh, that this kind of uh, usage is restricted to this issue alone. I think this way of reading the Bible is problematic on many levels. And I think in this passage, specifically Romans chapter 13, Paul is writing to the church, encouraging them to be good citizens. And he is he is encouraging them to not resist authority for the wrong reasons. And he's giving them uh, an understanding of how authority works, the pattern of authority, and how authority is delegated by God to rulers in order to, uh, in order, in order to maintain law and order and also to carry out justice. 
Paul doesn't say here or speak to a situation where the government has directly turned against its people and is doing evil. This is not a passage that is dealing with that. And so we must understand that this passage, if you read it without these nuances, that you are going to end up making the wrong kinds of judgment. Um, and also you can see uh, here in uh, verse 3, chapter 13, verse 3, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. And so you can see a little bit of the context in for which Paul is writing this uh, passage. And then again, you have to also look at the whole sweep of Scripture. And if you look at Revelation 13, we see that the 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 state now is seen as uh, antithetical or in direct opposition to the church or to the kingdom of God, and that the scripture portrays as uh, the the state as something to be overcome, and so I don't think it is uh, wise or even scripturally. Um, coherent to use passages like this to discourage people from partaking in the protests. Uh, in, in, uh, in fact, I think the very opposite. I think that Christians should participate in this protest and call the government to its uh, primary, primary role, which is to serve its people. And when the government has stop doing that and has actually become a, a device for oppression and um, for corruption, then it is the people of God who, in line with the prophetic tradition, must stand at the forefront uh, requiring that they listen to the voices of the marginalized, especially the poor and the weak, who are most affected in these kinds of situations. Furthermore, um, if you look at that uh, passage in, in the book of Acts, chapter 16, uh, verses 35 to 40, you can see where Paul is confronting the magistrates. And we see that they have done something unethical and something illegal in beating Paul up, uh, who is a Roman citizen. And when they come around to Paul and try to uh, get them to leave without making a scene, Paul responds to them saying, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned, uh, men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into pr prison. Now do they not throw, out us, uh, throw us out secretly? No, let them come, take themselves, uh, let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates and they were afraid that they heard that they were Roman citizens. And here you see that Paul is not just letting them off the hook easy if he thinks that uh, rulers and authorities are there to be just submitted to and you don't say anything in back. You know, he hold, he's holding them accountable to the fact that he's a Roman citizen and they've acted, on, uh, they've acted in a manner that was unlawful. And so I don't think it is clear in Scripture or that it is advocated in Scripture that we are supposed to be merely passive 
um, citizens. We are supposed to be active citizens, and that is the tradition of the church. We are we are called to serve the city of man as we look for the city of God. As we look forward to the city of God, we are called to serve the city of man. Secondly, um, a question that I wish more people would ask is, where are these beloved prophets and faith healers and the so-called great men of God who were uh, pretty much running the show pre-COVID and uh, pre all of this and prior to all of this. And where are they? Where, where is their um, feats of enormous power and might? Uh, where is their um, perspectives? Where are their insights into this situation? Um, I feel like uh, these prophets and, and people that were healed by many quarters of the church have in fact become irrelevant and even have displayed what, who they truly are. They are unable to provide relief. They are unable to bring a word of God that would meet the current situation, that would address the existential uh, concerns. And I, I hope people would see that and understand that. And also I think there is this sense in which where we have a persecution complex where Sri Lankan Christians tend to play the minority card or the persecution card when things go bad. But when there is a unifying moment um, and where we may not be at the forefront of it or we may not get all the, the praise for it, we don't want to be supporting actors. We don't want to be in the background even and support what God might be doing, but not maybe directly through the church. Um, and I think in that it shows that we like attention and maybe the church in Sri Lanka needs to reflect on that. Are we, uh, are we really, you know, truly being the hands and feet of Christ? Are we serving are wanting to be served? And I think that's a question that needs to be asked. And the third thing is, I don't know how much of this is prevalent, but I've, I've heard conversations along these lines that how can we sneak in evangelism, right? Um, and that's like the main concern for many uh, many Christians. Like how can we sneak in evangelism and try to convert uh, some of these people who are protesting? And I think that that shows a poor understanding of, of mission, and God's calling. I don't. I'm not against evangelism. I think evangelism is good and necessary, but I also think that there's more ways than one in uh, in presenting the gospel. And I don't necessarily agree that uh, evangelistic uh, methods uh, that have been used uh, in the last few decades are the best ways in many instances, to show the love of Christ and to show who our God is. I think in, in, in some instances, it has the opposite effect. And so I think Christians should think about mission in more holistic terms and ways. We saw all those people serving those protesting. We saw people bringing in food, people bringing in water and, and doing all kinds of different things, serving those people. And we saw the Anglican 
church ministers, I think it was the Anglican church, who are washing the feet of some of the protesters. I think those are beautiful displays of the love of God and the love of Christ. And I think that uh, is something that we need to consider, especially the Pentecostal church, I think, needs to consider, which is the church that I belong to. Uh, a fourth thing that I, I was interested in was the, the criticisms that were being leveled against uh, some of the expressions that were being witnessed in these uh, in some of these areas of protests, especially in Gulface Green, um, where the Gota Go Home Gamma is being set up, um, and a lot of these criticisms have been leveled against young people to delegitimize their creative expressions, which uh, are not the typical. Uh, expressions that we're used to with political speeches and, and political rhetoric, but all kinds of art and different expressions coming out of those spaces. Uh, and I think uh, these criticisms are unfair, and I think as Christians, we ought to also avoid um, merely you know taking on those criticisms and thinking that yes it's true that it's just become a carnival and therefore um, we we should have no part in it um, I think that's wrong uh, of course there are there are groups that will always um, capitalize on these situations and use it for their own kind of uh, foolish and ignorant benefit however I think for the most part Creativity um, coming out of these kinds of important moments is not unusual. I think that uh, creativity, creative expressions like art and dance and all these uh, modes of expressions are important to capture the imagination of the masses in order to imagine a, a better future, to, in order to instill hope in order to sustain the movement. You can't do that just with political propositional propaganda. I, I don't think that's that's how it works. We see that the blues and the spiritual songs came out of the, the black struggle in America and that it sustained that community. And so I think the creative expressions coming out of um, this a struggle against uh, the 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 regime and uh, and this uh, movement, this people's movement, is a beautiful thing, and it's going to inspire and instill hope, and it's going to sustain uh, the struggle. It's going to help uh, the 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 protest uh, to keep going and to to stay the course. There's so much more that I can say, and there's so many different insights that I think we can glean from what's happening here. Uh, one of the other themes I think that I will talk about in a different episode is um, the kind of invincibility that is being, that is being um, uh, associated with uh, young people and youth. And I think that is problematic. I think that this movement needs to be understood as intergenerational. Uh, and I think the moment you divinize or uh, immortalize uh, youth, there's all kinds of other issues that can come out from that. 
but I think I will um, I will keep that thought for another time. Uh, but I do want to recommend an article written by the Sri Lankan theologian Vinod Ramachandra. Uh, I think that article is excellent and it really captures what's going on in the country, but also uh, he he I think brings in a Christian perspective. And in that he he quotes. Um, a line from another Sri Lankan theologian called D.T. Niles. He says, hope begins with the ruin of our expectations. And I think that's an excellent quote that captures what's going on in Sri Lanka is that despite the hardship and the incredible uh, cruelty of the rulers and, and through that the, the difficulties that have come on the land, we see that there is this glimmer of hope that people have awakened and that uh, people are striving to create a better future. And I think that God's hand is all over this. And as Christians, that we can uh, stand in, uh, in support and in partnership with all different kinds of religions and uh, belief systems and races and uh, and shine forth God's God's love and care for the for His people and for the world in this situation. One final thing is that my wife and I um, had the privilege to visit the Berlin Wall Memorial a few weeks ago when we were in Germany, and uh, looking at that wall and the history of how. This wall was brought, uh, was set up, and for what purpose it was set up, and then looking at how, the, the, you know, uh, the movement that happened within the people, uh, within the people of the time to break down the wall in order so that the east and west can be reunited, that people who whose families were divided and separated can now be together and and that really spoke to me and it kind of resonated with me and I think it resonated with what's going on in Sri Lanka that this movement really is about breaking down the walls uh, breaking down the walls of hostility that was set up for political purposes and for political interests the walls between ethnic uh, groups and the political hatred that was um, political narratives that were spurred to cause ethnic hatred all of these kinds of walls that were set up for years and years are coming down and I think like uh, like it was uh, in Berlin in, in the in 1989 when the wall came down a new world opened up and I think that's what our hope is and what our prayer is for Sri Lanka. And so with that, I think uh, we will end the episode for today, but uh, look forward to our next episodes. We have uh, some guests that we'll be having on, uh, Dr. Ivo and uh, one of my friends from South America will also be coming on and uh, I will give have more information about that in the weeks to come. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Knowing. You can find us under Beyond Knowing Podcast on all social media and streaming platforms. Don't forget to like and subscribe. If you would like to send in questions or feedback, 
email us at beyondknowingpodcast at gmail.com. See you next time.